Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and uh, I got a lot of energy. I feel very manic y right now. Just, uh, I'm recording on a Monday, and why is that? It's not because I got too busy. Well, it's not that. Let's change that. It's not because I had way too many responsibilities and I wasn't able to record on Friday. It wasn't because I I, I just couldn't get the energy to do it on Saturday or Sunday, because that's not the case at all. Uh, it's because my wife and I are trying to find a house, and we were busy Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so I didn't technically have the time to put a podcast together until just a few hours ago, which uh super exciting. I've got a counter offer in on a house. Hopefully it will go through and we can move from the neighborhood I live in now, which is ghetto adjacent. Um, it's not a place that you would probably just let your kids ride around, but it's not, not unsafe. You can as long as you're with them, it's fine. To a little bit nicer neighborhood on in the East Valley that's kind of more established. It's got more families. It's um, just kind of a an overall um, a better place for my kids to grow up. Really, is what it is. But uh, I still like my house and I still like my neighborhood. Um, and if it was just my wife and I, we probably wouldn't move. But she has a job on the other side of town anyway, so we got to do that. Anyway, enough about that nonsense. It's a new month, so there's a new Patreon uh, uh, payments, and I want to thank Mark and James for uh, being Patreon supporters because it means a lot. The goal is never to was never to get rich off of this podcast uh, through Patreon. The goal was for it to be able to sustain itself, which is, um, I think my monthly costs are about uh, sixty dollars a month. Um, with, uh, when I get my website, it might go up to, what is it, uh, 75 or something like that. So the goal is not to get rich. The goal is for it to sustain itself and then have a little extra to do things like go to Monterey during car week and get interviews with companies like Lucid, like we did last year. But that little trip was like 11 or $1,200. And I got my airfare paid for with miles. So it's not cheap. Um, so if you want to support me, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. If you want to just say a nice thank you to Mark and James, to your, yourself as you're sitting in the car or wherever you're listening to this, just say thank you because uh, they are making this show possible. So thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Um, it kind of sounds hollow in my ear because I have so much energy about this house stuff. Uh, it doesn't sound sincere, but it is very, very sincere. If you can see me, my my eyes are watering up with tears because uh, again, I'm in a very, <laughs> I'm in a very manicky type uh, phase, uh, state of mind, not phase. Um, we're spending. It's just I don't know. Any any uh, kind of stuff where you have to spend more money and your monthly bills go up and all that stuff is always very scary. And uh, my wife and I aren't very risk adverse. So anyway, moving on. Um, talked about Patreon. So this is what I wanted to do with this particular show. Because every week I find something to talk about that isn't Tesla. But it seems that we get pulled back into the world of Tesla because there's lots of news and things swirling around with financial stuff and this and that and the other stuff. 
car accidents, and we're still going to talk about Tesla, but I put a little bit extra in um, for companies that aren't Tesla. And there are a lot of companies out there doing good things. And sorry, my intro started there. There are a lot of part of companies out there doing good things, and we should highlight them and spotlight them because uh, not everybody can afford a Tesla. Like, uh, you know, I can af- maybe afford, not after I buy this house, but I can maybe afford the 35000 base model, but I can't afford the 45000 model. That would be way too much money. Uh, in the same token, um, where I'd really be comfortable is with the uh, Kona, the electric Kona, which is, you know, right around, I think, $24,000. Uh, that would really fit my family's needs really well, and I wouldn't, um, it wouldn't necessarily, um, it wouldn't kill me financially. So this is kind of the thing. Um, I want to highlight some of these other vehicles, and we'll go back to our normally scheduled program you know, next week, but I want to try and wedge some of these things in here because I think they are important. Okay, but before we go too far, I want, we have a lot of new listeners, so I kind of want to explain, A, the schedule of the show, and B, the format. The schedule is, because I work a rotating shift, the schedule is either Friday, release on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and in emergencies, it's on a Monday, but I try and release one um, every week, or the equivalent to one every week. And the second is, the way that I do this show is we kind of have like a headline section, Kind of like if you listen to DTNS, Daily Tech News Show. So we have a headline section that doesn't go into a lot of detail. And then uh, and that's called kilobits. And then we get into the more newsy section where we kind of get into the meat of things. Um, because what I was doing before is I was just getting in. I was either being very uh, superficial with it and it, I wasn't giving enough information or I was going way down the rabbit hole and giving way too much information and getting really deep in the weeds and I was losing people. So this is how uh, the show goes. So let's start with our first Kilobits article. This is from Clean Technica. Got a lot of stories, love those guys. Folks, people, men and women, and um, gender neutral folks, love everybody. Uh, Clean Technica, Steve Hanley, um, wanna include everybody at Clean Technica. Swedish startup Unity, that's U-N-I-T-I, has $600 million in pre-orders for its new electric car. Now, if you don't know what this car looks like, and all the notes, um, all the links will be in the show notes. If you don't know what this car looks like, it looks like a smart car. It looks like a very futuristic smart car, and it's called the Unity One. Unity's the company. Unity One's the car. So here's some of the things that it, it offers up for features. Now, let's keep in mind that this is a car that is not built and these are promises these are not these are not necessarily features um, they want them to be features but anything that's kind of pre-production is that those are more promises than features but uh, a smart heads-up display human interaction display think like your smartphone uh, Swedish safety uh, think like Saab and their reputation for being safe. A vehicle autonomy, level three, by the way, for level three vehicle autonomy, which is basically the car can pretty much drive itself, but you still have to be, it's in between like level four, where it's like you rarely have to interact and level two, where you really have to pay attention and interact more often. Level three is just like the, right in the middle. Um, it's going to be environmentally sustainable, which we all like. Electronic steering, fly-by-wire steering. Um, range is pretty decent. Uh, it's going to be between 150 to 300 kilometers, which is 93 to 186 miles, depending on the battery size. Uh, 15-kilowatt electric motor, which is a little motor, but it doesn't have to be big. It's a little bitty car. Uh, top speed of 80 miles an hour. It'll weigh less than 900 pounds. Sorry, I didn't convert that into kilos. Um, probably like 420 kilos, 420 kilos. Uh, $23,000 in the U.S. And depending on where you are in the rest of the world, it, uh, would be different. Card key. So this card key is, um, kind of like the Tesla card key where you, uh, for the Model 3, you 
rub it against the side of the car and the car opens for you. The car has two seats. It's one in the front and one in the back. So it's not exactly something that you want to uh, take somebody out on a date, or maybe you do, I don't know. Um, it's not a, it's not great for conversation, I guess. But it'd be okay if you were just commuting and you had somebody that you were commuting back and forth to work with, and they're just sitting in the back doing their own thing. The, Qatar, the Originally, the car was designed by a group of Lund University students in Sweden, and we've actually talked about Lund University in terms of renewables, electric uh, vehicles, and that kind of stuff. And so this this is at least the second or third time we've talked about them. So they seem to be doing great stuff over there. Next story is Inside EV's Mark Kane. SoftBank will invest $2.25 billion in General Motors in their autonomous driving subsi- uh, subsidiary. Now, if you don't know who Soft- SoftBank is, like they own a big, uh, if not all of, pretty much a big section section of like Sprint, which is a local, which is a national uh, phone service here in the United States. But they own a lot of stuff. So SoftBank's are a huge company. And they usually, when they make a bet on uh, something, it usually ends up working out, especially at the tune of $2.25 billion. Now, General Motors is they're going to invest $1.1 billion into the, the uh, technology. So it's unclear what SoftBank's going to get out of this. Maybe they'll get the technology. And I'm sure, um, I don't want to... I think SoftBank has their own self-driving or has their own electric vehicle companies. I don't I don't want to talk outside of school because maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think I read that somewhere. Um, so it's unclear what they're going to get out of it, but it's probably going to be the research for the autonomous driving technology. Uh, but this is good. It's going to push the autonomous driving forward, and that's what we need. Now, in terms of um, all the accidents that are occurring with autonomous driving, I kind of had a thought and, um, stay with me on this because it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but autonomous driving right now, Tesla, and I'll talk about this later. Maybe I won't, maybe I'll just cover it now. Tesla's cars are constantly hitting parked objects. And we've talked before that other car companies, uh, with autonomous driving, depending on the level, they do the same thing where they don't register a parked object as something to worry about. Because if they did, um, the car would constantly be slowing down or trying to stop. That's the reason that was given that I that I read on the show a while ago. So it doesn't make sense for the car to constantly try and stop. It, it's supposed to be like this fluid, you know, magical driving experience where the car does the heavy lifting and you're just kind of monitoring it. Well, it doesn't happen if there's a fire truck parked in the road, most recently a cop car, barriers, which we've talked about before. So that doesn't happen when those things are there, um, which is a problem that they're going to have to solve. Not only Tesla, but all the car companies are going to have to solve. Uh, but the I'm going to use a, a kind of an example where people got hurt and seriously hurt and sometimes maybe even died. Um, I couldn't find any... Uh, stories where someone died from this, but they it still pushed automotive, um, the automotive industry forward. So when you think about old timey cars, like you think of like uh, Downton Abbey, which is a wonderful show, I love that show. When they start the car, it's a hand crank, and those hand cranks um, they caused like really serious injuries to people because once the motor cranked over, that hand crank could could turn and it could turn and it could hurt you or even um there's probably enough power to kill you or somebody like a small child standing next to you and i'm sure somewhere people have died but over time they've solved that problem like nobody was calling for well i don't want to say that i don't know people weren't calling for um stopping the uh the car because uh People were getting hurt. So over time, that problem was solved. And over time, autonomous driving is going to get solved. But people are going to get hurt and people are going to die. And I, you know, I hope that that is a, a minimal number. I don't want to see anybody get hurt or die. But in the end, um, before the technology gets perfected, this is what's going to happen. 
but as far as it's not, it's running, the vehicle's running into parked vehicle, uh, parked objects or stationary objects that needs to get fixed too. That can't, you just can't say, well, you know, the car wouldn't work very well if we fix this problem. You, you need to fix the problem. Moving on. This is Fred Lambert from Electric SF Motors, uh, which is an electric startup, vehicle startup. I don't know if we've talked about them in the past. I've been very interested in this company. But they're investing $160 million to build an, an EV, an electric vehicle SUV uh, factory in Indiana. So they're basically going to re- repurpose this factory that used to be made to build Humvees. They're going to repurpose it to make electric vehicles, which is, you know, a, a certain amount of poetic justice, I guess. Uh, not in the mean way. They SF, SF Motors, they recently purchased, uh, if you don't know, electric powertrain company. Um, and it's from Martin Eberhard, who was a Tesla co-founder. And to the best of my knowledge, uh, we haven't seen, we kind of seen like distant pictures or uh, or shadowy pictures of the vehicles. Uh, but it is a good sign that they're building on a factory before showing off the concept cars. So I love Lucid Motors. I think they're a wonderful company. I was not a big fan of Faraday Future, but, you know, I wish everybody luck. Um, it is Building something is hard. So I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. But Lucid Motors, it seemed like, um, and those guys were very nice when I talked to them. So um, this is not a dig, but it seemed like to me that Lucid Motors was using their car to, and it makes sense as a business side, but they're using their car to get uh, more funding. And that makes totally sense from a uh, total sense from a business standpoint. Unfortunately, when you look at um, where they're at, they, they decided to build a factory in Casa Grande, which is in Arizona, just south of like Tempe area, if you're familiar. But what happened, it's been between Tempe and Tucson somewhere. What happened is, to the best of my knowledge, they haven't broken ground on that uh, factory. Now, Lucid isn't, they're still a company and they, they haven't gone away yet, but they're not going to make any money. And we'll talk about this. This actually rolls into our, our news top discussion. But they're not going to make any money in the development phase. They need to get cars out. And they wanted to have a car out, I think, by 2020. Um, and that's really unlikely to happen if they don't have a factory. And they wanted to build it from scratch. Let's talk about Faraday Future for a second. Uh, Faraday Future abandoned plans for a factory in Las Vegas, this big, huge factory. They went to CES, and they made this huge deal about putting this digital, uh, digitally constructed factory on this big open plot of dirt, pretty much. And then said, we're going to bring all these jobs to Las Vegas and eventually they nothing happened. And they're like, well, we can't we can't afford to build a factory in Las Vegas. We're gonna buy a little factory in California and try building our cars there. Faraday Future's gone through a lot of iterations, and I really do wish them luck because I think more people in the space is is good. But who knows what's gonna happen long term uh, with that company. And then you have NIO Motors or NEO. Motors, which is something we've talked a uh, company we've talked about in the past. And I won't go into big, uh, a lot of um, detail about them, but I like them a lot. You look them up; they're they're great. They're making big strides, and they're doing something similar to SF Motors. I think they're going to be a really cool company. Fred Lambert again with electric. Rivian Automotive, they want to build EVs, and more specifically, they want to build pickup trucks and SUVs. Um, this is great because I've always wanted a pickup truck, but I, there's two things. I don't want to pay the price that they cost and I don't want to pay the gas or diesel. Um, they're very handy and very useful, but I'm not going to spend, you know, $40,000 on a used pickup truck like a friend of mine just did. That sounds like a completely waste of, a complete waste of money just to tow around my, my razor every few months when I want to go ride up in the uh, the back country and things like that. That doesn't this doesn't sound like a good investment to me, but it's not my money. Uh, but if it was an electric vehicle and it was affordable, that that sounds 
like right up my alley because I really want one. It's they, they're really handy. I hate having to borrow people's trucks. And then on the other side, more electric SUVs, the better, because my wife doesn't like riding around in cars that are low to the ground. Um, it doesn't make her feel comfortable. She likes cars that are up a little bit higher so she can see. Um, and I can't after, let's see, we had a Jetta before we bought our last car. And since I've been driving around two vehicles, one's an SUV, one's a minivan, that you're up a little bit higher, I can see her point. She's a small person. So it might be that when she's so low to the ground, she just kind of feels even more small versus if she's up, maybe she feels like she has a little bit more um, security and, and can see the road better and things like that. Anyway, uh, Rivian is building these SUVs and trucks. They're going to be built off the same platform, which I think is very smart. As a matter of fact, uh, something like 80 or 90% of the parts will be interchangeable. They'll basically be the same. Uh, 91% of the components will be the will be interchange, interchangeable, which means the truck and the SUV will be have similar capabilities, which is awesome. Uh, they've been in, and this is amazing, they've been in stealth mode since 2009, and they didn't come out of stealth mode until recently. So these these folks have been really um, trying, they've, they've, they've had plenty of time to perfect this, nine years, to, to maybe not perfect, but to get all their ducks in a row. They're not just they weren't thrown together last year, and they're like, okay, now we're raising money, and we're going to build these parts, but uh, vehicles, but in the end, they don't. So here's what they say for specs, and nobody's seen it. They invited in Gadget to go and look at it, and they said that it was a cross between, like, one of the Halo uh, vehicles, uh, like the one where, I think it's called the Warthog. It's been a while since I played Halo, where you stand on the back, and you got the machine gun, and somebody else drives. They said it's a cross between that and a four, uh, Honda Ridgeline, which I can't even imagine what that looks like. Um, doesn't look good, but I'm sure it looks great in real life. It's got a range of 200 to 450 miles, um, which is 320 to 724 kilometers, uh, which I think the top end is a very ambitious range, and they may not have that with the first initial vehicles because that's that's pretty ambitious. It's kind of level three autonomy, which we've talked about. Basically, it's capable of taking full control and operating during select parts of the journey when the operation, when certain operating conditions are met. That's the the definition for level three autonomy. The truck's going to be between fifty and ninety thousand dollars, which, as we've already discussed, is outside my price range. But maybe I can pick up one used. Next up, inside EVs, Jacob Oliva. Oliva? Oliva. We'll say that. Uh, Nob, I think is how you pronounce this company's name. It's an EV company from Estonia. I think Estonia is a really interesting company. I think they're way ahead of a lot of places, including the United States, in terms of what they're doing with um, infrastructure, like especially like um, voting and just technology in general. So it's a real, real, really exciting company. Um, anyway, our country, excuse me. They have created the coolest three-wheeled car I have seen to date. It's called the Nob 100 or Nobay. I don't know. It's a uh, classic, almost early Mercedes. It has this very 1950s look to it, the, the car itself, the front. Um, from what I understand, it's not a motorcycle, but it is classified as a trike. To me, they, they seem like that's the same thing, but I guess there is a difference. It has a convertible hard top, just in case you want to look super cool with the, with the top off or with the top on. It's a three-seater, so you have two front seats in the front and one in the back. And behind the back, there's a little luggage uh, compartment area that you can put things in. It's a very minimalist design. looks great. Uh, it's got metal gauges, chrome switches. It has a 137-mile range, which is 220 kilometers. Um, but that says it, there was a little thing when you're reading the specs on the article that says combined. So we're going to learn what combined means. That It has an extra battery. So it takes about two hours to charge uh, one battery, but you you have an extra battery that you can pop in and just be like, cool, we're, we're out. So I'm guessing that combined means the two batteries together. Uh, the vehicle will go up to 68 miles per hour, which is 110 kilometers per hour. 
um, all-wheel drive, which I think I said, but no word on the price yet. But this is a really interesting car, and I highly suggest uh, taking a look at it. It's really cool, really super cool. Um, it'd be a fun car to just, like, if you lived in, like, a little golf community in Florida or something, just to zip around to the grocery store in. Okay, and next up is uh, Clean Technica again, Steve Hanley. Waymo has ordered 62,000 Pacific uh, Chrysler Pacifica hybrids, which is the minivan that I own, uh, to test its autonomous driving efforts, which um, there's 62,000 potential um, gently used Chrysler Pacifica hybrids out there um, in the near future for resale. Um, Waymo provided, Waymo could provide, excuse me, 1 million rides a day with these extra Pacificas, and then you throw in the 20,000 Jaguar I-Paces they recently purchased. The Jaguar I-Paces, the electric Jaguar SUV, looks kind of cool. You throw those things together, and they can do a million rides a day, which is pretty impressive. Recently, they announced uh, fully autonomous driving efforts testing in Arizona and Mountain View. I think they're still waiting for approval on that. Um... I think it was California, but more specific area would be Mountain View, and Arizona would be uh, the Phoenix area. Uh, mostly Gilbert and Chandler and stuff like that, because they have nice, uh, pretty wide roads out there, and they have, uh, um, you know, clearly marked um, lanes. And so, anyway, um, I think this is really cool. It's unknown. Um, when the, with this fully autonomous, if there's going to be anybody testing, if there's going to be anybody in the driver's seat, you would think it's unknown if there's going to be anybody in the car at all. Uh, one of the rules, I guess, is that you have to be over the age of 18. So no children can ride in this thing. So I'm guessing there's not going to, it's, you're going to get in the car and then you're just going to drive to where you want to be. One of the other conditions of testing is they can't charge anyone for the ride. So, um, if I was going from, if I got on this program and I wanted to go from home to work, for instance, um, I don't live that far away from where I work, I would consider it. Now, if I lived, you know, 20 miles away from where I worked, eh, I might not consider it. That'd be pretty scary. But after some testing, maybe, I don't know. Um, hopefully, I'll get to try that someday. Uh, next story is Autoblog, Joel Stockdale. This is more of an update. Last week we said Consumer Reports did not recommend a Model 3 because it took them because they had a braking issue. It took them too long to come to a stop. Tesla pushed a software update. That braking issue has been resolved, and uh, we're in good shape. So uh, Consumer Reports now recommends the Model 3. So, yay. Clean Technica. Uh, Steve Hanley. The New York Times is reporting that Apple will apply its learned uh, technology, what it's, I guess, what it's learned from Project Titan, which is what originally thought to be like the their self-driving car, their electric vehicle. And now we're thinking more about, well, it's just the software for a self-driving vehicle. They're partnering with Volkswagen, Dieselgate fame, uh, to have these Volkswagen T6 vans, and they'll just they're like little passenger vans, and they'll be converted to semi-autonomous, and they'll shuttle Apple employees between campuses. Now, I couldn't confirm this, but it seems like a rumor still. It's just like, you know, sources familiar with the story kind of a thing. Okay, quartz. I love quartz. Um, Michael J. Corin, it's his article. Some German engineers are—they uh, got a hold of a Model Three, and they—and they—they they work for auto manufacturers, and they dismantled it to see how much it cost to manufacture. And the engineer were—they were very impressed, impressed with the build quality, um, and and the the technology used to build this car, um, or the technology in the car. But they estimate, and this is interesting, that it, the total. For a Model 3 is $28,000 uh, Tesla's cost. That's their estimate. 
That's $18,000 for material and $10,000 for labor. Now, um, of course, Tesla's not going to tell you that that's the case uh, or if it's true. But what it didn't say in this, because these companies, let's pretend because it's Germany. Let's pretend Volkswagen's a part of this. One of these engineers works for Volkswagen. Volkswagen operates at a very large scale. I mean, they're really shoving cars out the door uh, very quick. Tesla, not so much. They're having a hard time just getting the Model 3 out the door. So because of that, what they don't, I don't think they take into consideration is the $10,000 labor probably doesn't include all of the mess-ups. Um, so because of that, um, you know, there are... It's, the car is not being built to scale. There are some pretty high failure rates from what I understand. And uh, the repairs aren't factored into the estimate. We're going to talk about that. This all kind of rolls into our news segment. Um, I don't think that's factored into the estimate. Tesla wants to have 25% mar- margins so that they can turn a profit. Well, if um, until they get these cars moving at scale, I don't think they're going to... They're, they're not going to hit that. And we'll talk about this actually later. This all kind of rolls nicely into the news section. It's almost like I had a plan. Uh, let's store next story. Gizmodo, Rhett Jones, R-H-E-T-T, Jones. The Model 3 has set a distance, uh, set a record for a the furthest distance on a single charge, which is very impressive, although I don't really... I don't know why people get excited about these. I don't really care, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, so two guys, it took them 32 hours to drive 606 miles. And basically what they were doing was they were hypermiling. So they were driving at a certain speed. Um, they had uh, the cars, air tires were probably overinflated, and they, they just kind of set themselves up for success. So the previous record was 560 miles, and the current res- record is now 606 um, and everybody was like, oh, this is amazing. Great job. Unfortunately, <laughs> and this sucks. Uh, now the vehicle won't take a charge at all. And at this the time of this recording, anyway, there was no, there's no response from Tesla as to what they think it is, or if they're going to fix it. Uh, the gentleman did have, uh, sponsors on the side of the car. So, Maybe some of that sponsorship will help pay for getting it fixed if Tesla doesn't fix it. We'll see. Uh, keep an eye on that story. But like I said, normally, I mean, that's not real use, so I don't really care about it. But I thought that was interesting. Not haha interesting, more of a, huh. So you, you can tax the battery to the point where it won't charge anymore. Next website, Simon Alvarez from Teslarati. First Simon Alvarez story this today, and I think the only one. Uh, six jets filled with robots from Germany flew into California to help increase Tesla's battery production and presumably their drive chain, drivetrain production as well since they all went to the Gigafactory and uh, or all these jets are headed to the Gigafactory from California. Um, normally these items would be shipped, so it would be loaded on a big uh, cargo ship it would be transported to the United States, and then, however, either probably they would uh, use rail to get it to where we were, or trucks. But nope, Tesla's like, we're going to get six jets, we're going to fill them full of robots, and we're going to fly them to the United States. Um, we know that Tesla had a shutdown recently, and they might be having another one soon, who knows. Um, and we should hear if all of these uh, new robots helped increase the uh, productivity of the Gigafactory in terms of the Model 3. And hopefully it did, um, because, of course, I want to see Model 3 succeed like everybody else does, or everybody else that listens to this podcast should. Maybe not Bob Lutz. That guy doesn't like Tesla at all. Uh, The next story and the final story in the kilobit section is more of a tweet from Elon, and it's the Model Y may be unveiled on the Ides of March, which is March 15th, 2019. But it's a May. But since the Model 3, I I think the Model Y is really interesting. And if I was going to get something, it'd probably be that base model, of course. Um, You know, 
might might be spending a thousand dollars to reserve something on March nineteenth, or excuse me, March fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Who knows? All right, let's get into the story. Um, the first story, or well, the first thing I want to talk about, is Elon and the press, because Elon has been lashing out um, quite a bit lately. And some of this is is uh, warranted, and some of it isn't. Um, when Elon was, he's very charming, and when he is being lavished praise, he's even more charming. But uh, some things were said that maybe he didn't agree with, and it kind of turned into flame wars with journalists. And it really was reminiscent of uh, like tweets sent by Donald Trump, and it's not a good look. Like I get it, like. If my wife accuses me of doing something, and usually it's something really dumb, if she accuses me of doing something or thinking something, and I don't really think that or I didn't do it, I, I get very defensive. So I get it. Like, I totally get didn't defensive. Anybody does that, not just my wife. I get very defensive. And I try, because I'm an adult who's constantly trying to grow, I try and temper that aggressiveness with, like, well, why why would you think that that kind of stuff? But uh, but I do get very defensive. I don't want to say aggressive. That's wrong. Defensiveness. So um, it's not a good look for Elon. If he's going to take the, the the good stuff, he's got to take the bad stuff, and he just has to kind of kind of suck it up. And I know that it's not great. And I would say all day long, correct uh, the news that you think is wrong, or add some color, as they say. But uh, don't fight with journalists. It's just it doesn't end up making you're a rich billionaire. There are journalists making whatever journalists make, which isn't a whole lot. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not a. It's not a good look. It's just not a good look, in my opinion. Come at me, Elon. Uh, I could use the. Uh, I could. I could use the publicity. So this is our final story, um, and it's uh, a. Th- it was a four-part article written by Martin or Martin uh, Vinkhausen, and I'm pretty sure that's how you say his last name. Um, and this is kind of what he 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 wrote these articles, and he's talking about Tesla's financial situation and why it's not necessarily as hopeless as everybody thinks it is. And like I said, it's four parts. It's pretty pretty long article, and that's why there's only two things in this news section. So part one is uh, the the real cost of the Model 3 and how the Model 3 is kind of uh, the downfall. That's why Tesla's in its current situation. It's because of the Model 3. So uh, basically he goes, uh, for part one, he goes into the cost of making mistakes. So unless I tell you otherwise, I will tell you, well, I think what he's saying here or I think what he's saying there. But the things, if I don't tell you that, this is this is what the article said. So, um, and what the article said isn't necessarily what I think. So I'll I'll tell you all that. But I think that's important because uh, I interject my opinion into every article. So, but because this is so long, I just want to make sure that it doesn't get lost. Uh, so the cost of making mistakes. He actually puts a software development metric up for mistakes um, that is wonderful and makes a ton of sense. So mistakes made or discovered in the global design, which is kind of like a, a an overall picture before you really start doing anything, uh, the cost is one. The mistakes made or discovered in the detail design, so the next step, the cost is 10. So it's 10 times worse when you get to the second step. Um, and it just kind of multiplies by that factor by the way so um mistakes made or discovered in the programming section phase the cost is a hundred now mistakes discovered in the testing phase the cost is a thousand now they can still be made in the testing phase so i don't know why it doesn't say made but it's not it says discovered and mistakes discovered in the production phase, which there can still be mistakes, as Tesla has proven, is 10000 as uh, The cost is 10000 So you can see um, that there, this, is set in, uh, this is setting up for this section of the article, this first part. 
Um, so what, like I said, what this shows is that it's it's important to pl- properly plan, and um, and not only properly plan uh, for the product, but properly plan for how you're going to solve problems very early in the process. As the development proceeds, it gets harder to fix the problem, and it becomes quite a bit more expensive, as you could see from the the metric that they gave, he gave. Um, but here's where the Model Three comes in. Tesla thought they would receive about ninety thousand reservations um, in total, and likely to receive between thirty to fifty thousand reservations for the Model Three. So they thought at the high point it's going to be ninety, but it's kind of really going to be between thirty and fifty. And in reality, they received over or around 450,000 within a few weeks. Now, that's a lot. Um, so what that did was it led Tesla to take the Model 3 design process and, and cut it and make it shorter. So they're not going through and having all of the, the uh, planning meetings and, and what do we do if this happens and how are we going to handle this problem and how are we going to overcome whatever? That process got shortened. So if it didn't get shortened, reservation holders, according to Vinkusen, would have to wait three to four years for their cars. And so it was really important if Tesla wanted to uh, kind of uh, get these people the cars that they ordered was to speed up the design process. And it looks like they sped it up by six months. So uh, they started production six months earlier than they had planned. Now, that's that's important, and this is me talking now, not him. This is important because it's not only production. You're also speeding up all of your suppliers. So everybody that you've, you've decided to work with and all the contractors that are going to do X, Y, or Z on the car, you've sped up their process, which, is me, which means they're, you're going to have mistakes because you sped up the process, and they're going to have mistakes. So that's a that's a lot of mistakes. There's there's a lot to go wrong there. That's basically what I'm saying. So it goes on. Um, three six months. And we've talked about all of the problems that Tesla's had in the past with the Model Three production. So we're, we're trying not to go over that. Uh, but Vinkhausen, Vinkhausen, Husen, uh, Hausen, uh, argues that the shorter design time. And pushing up the production hurt Tesla more than it helped them, and I agree with that. Uh, the more mistakes uh, were made, more mistakes were made, and they were more severe, which cost the company time and money, and they, they were significant mistakes. So, based on the last conference call, uh, Tesla is not interested, and in, this is what uh, Vinkhausen, Hausen, Hosen is saying is Tesla's not going to make the same mistake for the Model 3 and probably the, the Tesla truck and maybe the Tesla Semi because they specifically said that they're going to slow down and really plan it out. And they, they called, um, they call they said the Model Y, which they said this about the Model 3, but the production of the Model Y is going to be truly amazing. Um, not the car itself. I'm sure that'd be great, but how it is made and how it's produced. So they're really thinking ahead. And if you remember, Tesla skipped like a whole testing phase, uh, last year so that they could get these cars out. And that was maybe to their detriment. You could argue I could anyway. So let's go to test, uh, step or excuse me, part two of his, uh, manifesto in part two of the manifesto. Uh, we're going to talk about financial problems, and more specifically, Tesla's financial problems. Tesla has the potential to be profitable. Um, this is something that he says in his um, in his article, which is something I also agree with. But every company has the potential to be profitable. Every company does. Every person has the potential uh, to. I don't want to say make a lot of money, but everybody has the potential for something, even if they haven't used it or or taken advantage of it. There's potential for something for everybody. So saying that is kind of like, you know, yeah, they do have the potential for profit, profitability. But here's my opinion. I think Tesla is trying to do what Amazon did. 
Tesla is putting the infrastructure in place to make it cheaper and easier to build cars and other Tesla products um, Now, for now in the future. So, and Tesla uh, said, or Elon has said, that the product is not the, the vehicles or the solar panels or the solar roof that they produce. The product is the actual manufacturing system, the hive mind. And uh, it seems like Vinkhausen kind of agrees with that. And I'm real self-conscious. Now I think maybe I'm saving, saying his name wrong, but we're going to go with it. Uh, it seems like he agrees. Tesla has, uh, according to him, mature, profitable products, uh, but they also have some young, problematic, poten but potentially successful products. So he explains that with um, each successful launch product launch, Tesla reinvests the money into the next ambitious project. And the model from that revenue stream goes to pay for the others. Now that's nothing that's new. Elon's even put this in his uh, his like roadmap. That's that, that's nothing new at all, or not new information. But he breaks uh, the Tesla products that they sell currently down into their own companies. So, so what he's basically saying is the Roadster, the Tesla Roadster, its own company, the Model 3 is its own company, the Model S, the Model X, the Gigafactory, and he gave some other ones, but I left them out um, to save a little bit of time. But these are all the, the same companies. And all these companies go through uh, the same three phases. Now, this is very simplified. Um because technically there's a fourth phase that the Tesla Roadster hit, and that's the end of life. But we won't, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. The first phase for all three of these companies is development. Now, there's no revenue at this stage, especially if it's the Roadster because it's the first product. Operating and capital investments are very high. Um, and most of this money is coming from outside sources, obviously, investors. The next is ramp. So um, to to ramp up the product, the R&D uh, tool and equipment costs, they're reduced because during the development phase, you already bought them. So the costs are basically maintenance or buying a new product here and there, but it's not as high as the development. And then the in the production phase, he, ought, he argues that it's a positive cash flow and profitability. I argue that it may not be a positive cash flow and there may not be profitability. Um, so you apply the development, the ramp, and the production to the Roadster, and this is what we get. This is all him uh, talking. I'm, I'm not really adding a whole lot unless, it, again, I say according to me or my opinion. The first five years of the Roadster, there was no product no revenue and basically just financial losses as they were kind of developing and, and figuring out what the roadster would be. All the monies and all the money and activities were used to build the infrastructure for a future uh, financial revenue stream. And that would be the roadsters. The first, first roadsters were produced and delivered. Uh, revenue obviously went up because before that they had none. There was a steep learning curve to build the cars. And it took a while for the production to mature so that they could bring production costs down and be um, make some more money in the cars, be more profitable in the cars, grow their margins. Once the production matured, then it was time to create the new revenue stream, and that was another revenue stream, and that was the Model S. So profits, and this is nothing new, really, but it was nice of them to break it down as companies. That's a new way of thinking of it. But profits from the Roadster went into creating the Model S. And the lessons learned from the Roadster and the enthusiasm uh, that people uh, felt about the, Red, uh, the, the uh, Roadster led people to Model S. And whether that's because people saw them driving on the road or they had read about them and they're like, oh, that's really interesting, but I'm not going to pay $140,000 for a Roadster or twenty or whatever they were. Um, but I will pay $60,000 for Model S. So, And then they were able to take those lessons learned and make the Model S a little bit easier uh, easier than the Roadster to build. Who knows if that's really the case. I'm, I'm projecting there. So at the Roadster's end of life, the original Roadster, it was basically liquidated from Tesla. 
and the focus is now on the Model S. Following the Model, the Model S followed a similar path, and then it came to the X, and then after the X, it was the Gigafactory, and that goal for that is to reduce the battery price and size, um, because the Model 3 uses a, a smaller battery pack than the Model S. And that finally led to the Model 3. Um, Vinkhausen explains that the Model 3 uh, is a victim of its own success for reasons that we've already discussed. So now we're going to get to part 3 of the manifesto. By the way, I thought this was a very... He went into a lot more stuff, and I'm, I didn't go... We'd be here for another 40 minutes if I went into everything that he talked about in some of it in terms of CapEx and OpEx and things like that, I don't fully understand. So I skipped that stuff. But I'm going to put the article in the show notes if you want to read it. So part three is Tesla's cash burn. And this is basically how fast are they spending money. It's suggested that, uh, it's been suggested by many actually, that Tesla isn't very responsible when it comes to its own finances. And you could make an argument that that is true and there are plenty of articles with clickbait headlines that try and make that argument but like elon just said recently where they got rid of all the contractors that weren't uh pulling their own weight you know they um they basically made huge cost cuts um to become profitable with the goal of becoming profitable so that makes sense um and some of those articles weren't unfounded by the way um, but he made some ten, uh, some points on how Tesla's spending its money, but the overarching uh, theme of part three is that it's not as bad as it looks. I'm not going to go into everything, but it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, Tesla knows, in his opinion, Tesla knows, and Elon and uh, the CFO, Deep, Deepak, uh, I can't remember his last name, they know what they're doing, is what he's saying. And here's where we get to part four, which is the final part. Um, he quoted Tesla's 10Q filings, and this is, what it, this is what it said in their financial SEC filings. A large portion of the future expenditures is to fund our growth, and we can adjust our capital expenditures by operating segment, including future, expenditure, expen, future expansion of our product offerings, stores, service centers, delivery centers, and superchargers. So what does that mean? Basically, if Tesla, so it means if Tesla needs to make more money, all they have to do is scale back their growth. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they said in an SEC filing, and that's what Vink Hosen thinks is also true. He, what he basically proposes is, is that profit making is a, or lack of profit making is a management decision. Like they choose not to be profitable. There's a lot of pressure on them to be profitable, but they choose not to be. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, it kind of seems to me, and I'm not a business person, so I don't know. But it kind of seems like if you're constantly giving away or leveraging your company to get more money and you've leveraged just about everything that you can, um, you might want to start making your own money and leverage less. Like, I don't know what an interest, I don't know what Tesla pays in interest. Maybe nothing. I don't know. But it seems like um, it could be a lot. But that's me, and I'm not a business person, so I don't understand how they play their games. Um, so kind of in in summary, um, partly to summarize what uh, Vinkusen was saying and partly for myself, it'll be interesting to see how the summer plays out. Um in order for Tesla to make a 20% margin on the Model 3, they need to produce 5,500 cars. Now, we already know, because uh, Elon said it, that unless they're at 10000 a week, they would lose money selling the car for $35,000, the base model. Tesla's, Elon said basically they'd go out of business. They have to have production up to about 10000 a week. Otherwise, it's, it, they would lose money. So um, at 10000 a week, the cars are making 25% margins. Now, if the teardown that we talked about before of the Germans is true, it's $8,000, or excuse me, it's $28,000 for the cost. That at $35,000 with no add-ons, that would give Tesla a nice profit of $7,000 per unit, um, which is, you know, 
maybe not exactly where Tesla wants to be. They'd rather have those margins or that uh, they would rather make more money, obviously. But there's going to be people out there that are in situations similar to what I'm in that don't want to spend, you know, $600 a month on a car. Seems ridiculous to me. Um, I don't want to spend $380 a month on a car, uh, which is what I think we pay now. So, um, yeah, so there's that part. But the overall, it, what what Martin um, Vinkhusen is, is saying, or at least what I think he's saying, is that the rumors of Tesla's financial death have been greatly exaggerated. And I tend to agree with him, except for, I'm going to add this qualifier, is that bankruptcy is lurking for everyone. Doesn't matter if you're a company, doesn't matter if you're a person. I could get sick or I could get into a catastrophic accident tomorrow. And even though my wife, I think, my wife and I have set each other up, uh, set ourselves up um, for success, the amount of money and medical bills that might end up, uh, that could financially ruin us, to be honest. We have insurance, but after a certain point, you know, I wouldn't be working, and there's a bunch of other stuff that goes with that. Um, same thing with my wife. I mean, we're both dependent on the other person's income. So um, Tesla right now is operating very close to the metal, financially speaking. And as I've said this before, it's a huge, if it works out for Tesla, this huge gamble that they're doing, it's going to be amazing. They they might be so success, successful, they dwarf what Apple's value is. But if not, the company will stumble. Now, is it going to go away? I don't think so. You know, I've talked about that in the past too. But it may stall and it may um, it may not grow like they want it to. But Tesla has many valuable properties. And we've talked, we talked about this earlier with the Model S, the Model X, the Model 3, the Gigafactory. Those are all very valuable. And that includes the, the company's name itself. The name Tesla is very valuable. So Tesla's not going to go away if it does stumble, and it might stumble and come back um, stronger and bigger than ever, or it might have to uh, narrow its focus. Who knows? But I thought the article was, was very well written, and I think that if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you should definitely go look at it, and I hope you enjoyed it. I know that I chatted for 57 minutes nearly, and if you stuck with me this long and you were interested, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. And if my uh, sister-in-law, Panita, is listening, hello, thanks for listening. Um, and yeah, that's that's the that's the whole podcast. If you want to contact me, you can email me, Bodie at 918digital.com. That's B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Um, what else? Um, I'm at tw- on Twitter at 918digital. Uh, leave a review wherever you get your podcast, especially iTunes, because that really helps out this podcast. Welcome to everybody, um, all the new listeners, because uh, like I said, we've had a nice bump in growth. And thank you to all the current listeners, um, especially longtime listeners. I really appreciate everybody who listens to the show. I really appreciate um, all the support. Keep emails coming. I love uh, chatting with people over email. And that's it. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll be back on Friday. Actually, on Friday, I'm recording three episodes of Kilowatt. Uh, Two for the break that I'm going to take over the summer with Brad and Sierra. We're going to do a roundtable. It's going to be super cool. They've picked out really cool topics. We met on that this afternoon. And then I'll record my normal podcast on Friday. And then I'll probably go see Deadpool by myself because my wife doesn't like Deadpool. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. So I'm going to check my mail, see if they accepted my uh, counteroffer, our counteroffer. And uh, yeah, very exciting. Fingers crossed. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Kilowatt. I hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you in four short days. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.